Hello, and welcome to another episode of Playing in the Sandbox, Conversations in Pedagogy. My name is Dr. Katherine Troyer. I'm the Assistant Director of the Collaborative for Learning and Teaching here at Trinity University. And I am beside myself uh, to introduce Dr. Lauren Malone, who is the Academic Technologist here at Trinity. Hi, everyone. Um, so today we're going to go through a few things that we think are going to be helpful as we go into this post-Thanksgiving pivot. I won't lie, this is something that, you know, and what, in between all the other anxiety dreams I have, I, I feel like I've started to have anxiety dreams about um, the, the post-Thanksgiving pivot, in, in part because um, it's both something we are familiar with, which was a sort of traumatic moment in the spring, but it's not quite the same creature um, that the spring pivot was. And so I think for me, that's, that's why I find this, this pivot such a, a frightening sort of thing, but also an exciting um, opportunity. But it is something that I think needs a little bit more thought than just like, oh, yeah, I've already done this. I've been there. Um, and so have my students. Yeah, absolutely. So we've come up with some questions uh, that we're going to ask. And these are based on sort of things we've heard in conversation, um, emails we've gotten, and hopefully we'll have some discussion that will help you kind of navigate this unsure time. So the first question is, what is the biggest thing to keep in mind as we go through the post-Thanksgiving pivot? For me, and it's, you know, it's primarily because I'm, I'm teaching FYE this semester, so first-year students are, are definitely on my mind. It's first-year students, right? So, so it is true that a, a chunk of our other um, Trinity students have, have had to pivot where they've gone from being in, totally in person to being uh, online. And it is true that our first years uh, in their high school education also had a pivot where they switched to online learning. But what they haven't experienced is a couple of things. First, they've never been a college student. Um, and that's that's a very different experience than, than being a high school student. And I think the other thing is, is that m a good number of our first year students are in the dorms. And so they've never experienced making a pivot where they're going to be going back home. And as most of you know from um, anecdotally, if you talk to students uh, in the spring, there's a lot of tension even in the best familial relationships between things like, yes, I understand that as a high school student, I regularly took the trash out at 5 p.m. However, right now I have a 20 page paper due tomorrow. I will get to it in the morning. <laughs> um, and so I think there's going to be like a lot of um, navigating that the first year students are going to have to do that they've not had to do before. So to me, that's one of the biggest things to keep in mind. What is what is the biggest thing for you? I think from what what I've been hearing from students is this idea of feeling adrift and even the ones who are here on campus are talking about how it still feels like they're kind of cut off from their friends, uh, cut off from the rest of the students and some of the faculty. So the biggest thing for me is figuring out ways that you can kind of uh, bring that classroom together and stress community and stress communication so that it still feels cohesive, even though we're um, we're sort of far apart. Uh, and the other thing is just that we've fallen into a routine now. We've fallen into, as much as we all hate this term now, the new normal. Um, and so it it's feeling a little bit more comfortable for us. 
we're figuring out ways to work through certain things, but the pivot's going to throw us into chaos again. Um, there are going to be all of these different sort of dynamics that Katie was talking about just a second ago. And so figuring out that, um, that way to make sure that you are on track and that you're able to keep your student on track, I think it goes just back to that idea of communication. And I like that word chaos because that's also like the perfect way to describe any end of term, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's, this is when students are like barely sleeping, barely eating, you know, you're lucky if you get to see them outside of like their pajamas, right? There's, there's such a chaotic sense to the end of term already that it's going to be like chaos on top of chaos, which leads me to the question of, um, that we, I think have been hearing a lot from faculty and that is how can I successfully for myself, for my students and for my classes navigate through this pivot? I think one of the biggest things here is to prepare your students for the difference, the shift, right? And so one of the things that I've been talking to a lot of people about is the idea that um, students are really anxious because they don't know what is coming from day to day, uh, especially in online models. And so modeling for them exactly what the semester is going to look like day to day uh, is going to be a good idea. So telling them, hey, uh, our class was uh, Tiger Flex for Tuesday and Thursday. Um, here's what we're going to be doing Tuesdays from now on, Thursdays from now on for the end of the semester. So telling them writing it down somewhere is really important. So whether that's on T-Learn, whether that's in an email you send out, um, but also maybe taking these last few days that you have with them to actually model it. So um, if you tell them that, hey, uh, you need to have all your readings done for Tuesdays, and then we're going to do an activity on Thursdays, starting to model that so they have the time to kind of get in that mindset. Um, But also just checking in with students, because again, they're going home. And so their technology um, is going to be different or might be different. And so checking in with them to see uh, what tech they're going to have available at home, what time zones they're going back to, resources, space to work in, all of those different things. Can I ask a follow-up question? Yeah. So do you think, and I, I have a feeling you're going to give me the answer of it depends, but, <laughs> but do you think it's more important to to try to keep the, the post-Thanksgiving period of time um, as as similar as possible to to the pre-Thanksgiving to kind of keep a sense of, of cohesion and a sense of like consistency? Or do you think it's going to be more important to really sort of maximize on on the nature of being completely remote? Um, I think, so it does depend. <laughs> so you're right. right. <laughs> um, but I, I think that for the most part, it's actually, it's actually the second, the second option that you gave. Um, because I think that if, if you're struggling and if you're trying to focus so consistently on maintaining this consistency and maintaining the exact same experience that we had before we were um, going to the pivot, before COVID ruined everything, um, then I think that's going to start to actually make more tension in your class uh, just because uh, we have to let go of control. (laughs) I've been saying it over and over all semester, but there are some things that we just cannot control. Um, and uh, the 20 to 30 to 50 different environments of your students is going to be one of them. So really capitalizing on 
the idea of online learning is going to be super important, even if you haven't been leaning on that um, very strongly yet. Uh, but I do think that for some classes, um, like classes that are doing a lot of different things all the time or classes that um, have a really rigid, um, rigid structure to them, then maybe consistency, uh, you can find consistency in pieces um, or parts of the class. But I do think that um, it's going to cause more stress on you as an instructor if your focus is on trying to maintain a certain experience because the experience is different. That makes sense to me. And I, I think this is particularly true for any um, anyone that is working with uh, international students. Uh, so, you know, we the, the registrar's office and academic affairs spends a lot of time trying to make sure that we have a final exam schedule that doesn't conflict where, you know, students are in finals for more than a certain amount of time per day. Um, but I, I'm not sure that it's, it's necessary. Um, if you have a presentation as your final project for your student who has a 12 hour time difference to have to do something worth 20% of their grade at two or three, what is AM for them? Um, if there's a way to have it be asynchronously recorded or, you know, you could always uh, wake up at 2 or 3 a.m. your time um, and experience their presentation, right? Like, I just, I think what you're saying is such a good point because it's clearly not, it doesn't make sense to operate as though everything is exactly the same. For me, I think when it comes to things I think about, um, the things to, that we can do to be successful, um, and, and you and I talked about this a lot, and that is, it's sort of like, folded into each other and the first one is is that to remember that thanksgiving is a is an official university break um and and it should be even if it's longer than normal to the best of our abilities treated as such um we we all deserve that and so you know not having everything do that that monday or tuesday um and i know some faculty i've heard are trying to like wrap everything up um as soon as possible, like around Thanksgiving. And there's advantages to that, but but also that, that truncates things and that ensures that everyone's doing all this stuff at the same time. Um, I think it's important to remember that we will literally as well as figuratively be in different places. So I had a midterm where I had all my students in their various dorms and two of my students came in and said, hey, I know we only have 20 minutes left or 15 minutes left, but um, the fire alarm is going off. I need to, <laughs> I need to evacuate the building. And like, you know, you could see the like low key panic of just like first fire alarm, but also like, what do I do? Um, and so, you know, hopefully uh, there won't be fire alarm drills uh, in people's houses. I don't think that usually happens, but, but there could be something like that. Um, and then for me, this is one of the things that I, I just keep like having these like pre-traumatic stress incidents over. I can just imagine all of the students that are going to have to have these really awkward conversations with their family um, about the the holidays and, and like holiday festivities. So we have never had to do this during the hol a holiday season before. And I can just see so many parents saying, you know, normally little Timmy, we wait until you come home on the 17th to decorate our tree. But since you're home, the entire month of December can be holiday time. Um, let's watch, <laughs> you know, the Charlie Brown Christmas movie. And, and the student having to be like, I would love to, but I have a paper tomorrow. And I, so I think we need to keep in mind and help our students figure out ways to, to handle still being in classes, but being at home during the holiday season. Mm -hmm. And if I can just add on to that, um, one of the things that I have to um, stop myself from saying is 
uh, are doing is oversimplifying that because I think that it's easy for some of us to just set boundaries, but telling all of our students, just set some boundaries. Like not everybody's family works like that. No. So it is, um, it is going to be important to kind of let them know, Hey, uh, we understand, you know, we understand that you're going, you're all going into different dynamics. Um, and maybe here are a couple of ways of navigating those. Um, so how is this pivot uh, going to be different from the spring, do you think? Yeah, so I think, you know, we've talked about the idea of the holiday season um, and, and things like that. But I, I, th I think about the spring and, and how it was really sort of like colored by, by this just utter sense of, of panic um, and, and to go back to your word, chaos. Um, and, and so we rightly so had to be treating it as a triage triage situation, right? We did the best that we could. And I think we did so admirably. I'm so impressed by um, the efforts of the Trinity faculty, the efforts of, of a lot of higher education to really reinvent things. But it still had to be triaging, right? Because it was like, okay, well, we have to do this now. And we never thought we'd have to do this. I think we need to be careful that that, that this um, post-Thanksgiving break doesn't have that same sort of flavor. Um, that we kind of treat this as, as not like, okay, I don't know what we're doing, but we're doing something, but more like, you know, okay, this is just part of the plan. In the same way that a lot of classes um, in a traditional semester, in a traditional year, um, end up having like something really unique happening there at the end. So I think it needs to be kind of baked into um, the experience instead of like overlaid on top as a, you know, we have to do this. Um, so I think that's one way that we can really treat this pivot uh, differently. What would you say are some of the big differences between um, the pivot, especially considering that you, you weren't at Trinity, so you, but you did get to see it in, at play uh, elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, um, the biggest difference, I think, is that, um, you know, in the spring, we we're having discussions about, okay, you know, your spring break is going to be extended, but then we'll come back and... Um, you know, we're going to cancel these speakers that are coming, but we're still going to have graduation and those sorts of things. Uh, and, and that didn't happen. Um, the, the world shut down. And so at this point, um, we're all kind of traumatized. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we've been going through this whole um, this whole pandemic year and um, and all of us have had different experiences related to that. And some of us have lost um, loved ones related to that, but also just this period of being in isolation. Um, some people have been in unsafe environments um, and then we're coming up on a really fraught election as well. And so by the time our students get to get to Thanksgiving break, uh, they're exhausted. We're exhausted. Everybody's just, just so tired. Um, 2020 has been rough. And so I think that that makes it different too, because in the spring, I know that a lot of us were thinking, okay, I'm just going to power through. We'll get to the summer and everything will be all right. Um, but at this point, I know that a lot of people are losing steam and a lot of people are losing hope. And so I think that keeping that in mind um, and maybe um, building outlets uh, for that into, into the rest of the course is, is a good idea. So do you have um, some like low stakes or some, some things that have the potential for high impact, but sort of low effort in terms of um, the amount of, of 
de design that has to happen. Do you have some outlet ideas that people could incorporate? Yeah, I mean, one that I did in the spring was when I put all of my stuff online. So every day um, I put a different quote unquote lesson. It was a scaled down lesson um, online, but I started every single one with just a meditation video from YouTube. Um, and I know that not all of my students actually watched those, but I know that some of them did and some of them found it um, found it helpful. And it felt like um, I know that one of my students said it felt like they were going into my class in a better place because they they had actually taken a second and they had taken a second because I told them to almost um, by having that available. So um, so that's an idea. But also um, also just ideas about um, about keeping that community together. And I think it's really easy for us to set up, you know, a forum on on our T-Learn to see um, where you can just check in and say, hey, um, how's everybody doing? Or name a couple of good things that have happened to you this week. Um, sometimes I do know um, some professors who actually start their classes, if you're still meeting synchronously over Zoom, who start their classes with, hey, okay, uh, three people tell me something good that's happened to them since we last met. And so um, little things that are maybe not content related, but show that you are caring for your students. One of the things I like about all those ideas um, is that they're also um, constantly being done, right? Or it's not like a one and done. I think, I think it's going to be important to remember that, you know, um, we can't have the post Thanksgiving pivot just be, you know, okay, you have a 20 page paper due, just get it to me by the final exam. This, this is the end. Um, you know, I'll see you later. Like, I, I think, <laughs> you know, if, if you have made a decision strategically to, to have less synchronous components post Thanksgiving, your presence still needs to be really felt as the instructor. Absolutely. Um, and, and I, I like the fact that, like you said, that this is something that can kind of be done like at the start of every, what would be every class, right? Just because you're not meeting with them on a Tuesday doesn't mean you couldn't send them an email quickly on a Tuesday and say, hey, I found an adorable puppy video that I would like you to watch, right? Like, um, <laughs> so yeah, I think that's, I like that a lot. And, and this segues nicely into one of the other questions that I, I think we're all kind of thinking about. And that is, is that, you know, in the spring pivot, we still had some time to like figure things out before we moved into to finals. But this is really like the last week of the semester in finals. So what are, in your opinion, some of the unique pressures of the last few weeks of the semester slash finals that you think will be particularly impacted um, by just the, the nature of moving fully remote? Uh, studying. So I've actually heard this from some students um, that they study in groups and now we're gonna have half of our group on the East Coast one of our group is going somewhere else and another of our group is going somewhere else. So, um, or is here in town. And so thinking about that, and I think these are, so these are the little things, right? That sometimes it feels like, well, do I really have to plan for that? How many of my students are really gonna be on the West Coast or back in Vancouver for their holiday or whatever? Um, but I think it does make a really big impact in terms of your planning. So it's easy to kind of take that take that line of thinking of real how many are really going to 
to need this. Uh, but then what ends up making more work for you as the instructor is when you do have students who um, who are in different time zones and now their study group is all up at 3 a.m. because that's the only time that everybody can get together um, here or something like that. So I think thinking about things like that and then also, again, just prepping them for communication um, and prepping them for um, um different ways to keep in touch with each other or different ways that you will keep in touch with them. So it may have been that you were sending out weekly announcements um, and that might have to change slightly because um, because they need more communication from you or because uh, you're not meeting synchronously on Zoom anymore, those sorts of things. Um, so keeping those things in mind while you're planning um, what the rest of the semester is going to look like is going to be helpful, I think. And, and I think, you know, for the sort of um, what were traditionally non-official uh, study groups that sort of formed, a lot of times they happened really organically, right? So working in the library, um, you know, I could always track where we were in the semester by the amount of students that were still in there at like 6 p.m., right? Um, and it would increase as the semester progressed and, and because I think it was just so easy to be like, hey, I'll just be studying in the library, drop by whenever you want. Um, and, and to ask students to have to be like figuring out time difference things and all that stuff, that's one more thing they're having to add to their, their cognitive load, right? Um, so if you could do something as simple as, um, there are trackers, right? Just just give a tracker to the students, their online trackers and say, hey, enter in all of your time zones. Or um, I've, I've created a, a way for you to easily find study buddies because I know that you're not going to just wander into CSI and find them right like so that you know when other people are studying and so I think yeah it just the more we can we can kind of take off of their plates so that they can be focusing exclusively on our content and um, that we want them to be learning our skills that we want them to be mastering uh, the, the better their final work will be so earlier I said that I I think it's important um, to to work particularly with our international students to see if there's a way that, you know, especially for something that's a sort of cumulative project, they are not necessarily having to do their their best work at, at two or three in the morning um, because that's, that's guaranteed to not be their best work. But with that said, I, I don't think that we should be, all of us should be like just abandoning um, final schedule. Uh, you know, again, a lot of thought and consideration goes into like making sure that students don't have more due um, than is possibly to do. We still have that policy in place about no more than 10% of the final course grade can be administered the last two days um, before finals, right? Like we still have all those rules in place. And I think it's gonna be really important that we remember to still uphold a schedule because if, if we all change our final deadlines, right? To like the last day before finals, um, that's just, that's unfair, right? Because our students haven't had a chance to create a, a schedule that is actually manageable. Um, and so I think it's important for us to remember that, that we still need to operate on, on the university calendar in terms of when things are being asked of our students. Um, so what are some ideas that we can think of um, in terms of that idea of building class community online or just keeping everything from falling apart? <laughs> Yeah, so you, I feel you already had some great ideas. I really like that good news um, idea that you had and the, the, the ways that you um, mentioned that you could do it on something like a, a Padlet or a forum so that regardless of when people are, are able to post, they can kind of like see each other's good news. Um, I think that's really, really fantastic. 
Um, I think, you know, just check-ins, um, you know, and it might just be something like, um, you know, we're not meeting synchronously anymore, but I'm going to be in the class space, um, you know, the Zoom space um, for the, the class time. And if you want to just drop in, you can, right, that, that I'll be there. Um, and, and, you know, just I think our students sometimes worry that, that once they're remote, that their access to, to us and to their fellow classmates has been reduced. Um, and I think so anything that we can do to um, strengthen that. And I, I have a feeling you have a lot of ideas that are, are tech based ones that, that people could kind of take advantage of. Uh, maybe not a lot, but a few. <laughs> so uh, Discord uh, and Slack are um, both platforms that I think could really help with this. Um, so they're basically just um, chat rooms. They call them servers, but you can create like different topics that students can click on and then they can go chat in that topic basically. And so I know that students, a lot of students already are using Discord or Slack, um, maybe sometimes for a class or maybe they have uh, a gaming group that they use it for, those sorts of things. Um, and so kind of keeping community going on there. And I think that it's sort of the same thing as what I was saying earlier, where it doesn't even necessarily have to be content based. So you don't have to feel this pressure of, okay, I am their communication teacher. So everything I have to talk about has to be communication. I'm engineering. So I have to tie every single conversation back into a concept we're talking about. Um, these things can be, can be more open, I think. And I think they should be more open. So like one of the ones that I'm in has a room called cat room and people just post <laughs> pictures of their cats. Um, and so there's lots of things. And I think that especially if you've already been, um, been really building that community in your classroom, then the same kinds of, um, the same kind of community can easily transfer to those spaces. So you're not on Zoom anymore, although Discord does have a video feature um, if you want to take advantage of that, but you're not on Zoom anymore, but you can still chat with each other. You can still um, have little discussions and it's something that can also be com um, uh, combined with some of the things we've talked about, like the good news feature. You can have just a good news uh, channel that they constantly post to. Um, or you can have a meditation channel where everybody posts their favorite little meditation videos from YouTube, those sorts of things. And what I what I like personally about things like Discord and Slack is that obviously T-Learn does have a forum feature, although it's not as, it's not, they haven't dedicated themselves to crafting that in the way that Discord and Slack has, right? Discord and Slack, that's what they have designed. So, um, you know, T-Learn is, is this more comprehensive thing. So I personally find Discord and Slack to be um, a little bit more user-friendly in terms of having conversations. Um, and also I think it's it's nice to remind, to give students that, that sense that, you know, it's not just in our official Zoom T-Learn interactions, right? That community is happening. Sometimes it's just easier for people to feel, um, you know, like humans when they're not on a learning management system or the officially designated um, video conferencing. Um, I think too that uh, you could also encourage them um, before the semester, before everyone goes uh, remote, if you, the, to create something like a group meet um, or, you know, that you don't have to be a part of. Um, 
So I have one in my FYE and my, my peer tutor organized it. So I have that advantage, but I don't, I don't ever participate in that, but it's pretty active um, because while it is lovely to be a part of the community, um, it's just as important for them to feel a sense of, of camaraderie amongst their fellow classmates. So not everything has to be, I think, something that you necessarily um, are part of, but I think anything that you can do to help get it started um, can be really helpful. But if they have each other's numbers, they can figure out times to study um, easily. So do you have any other um, ways to... And I thought it was really important that you said, right, that this, you can't just like establish community if you haven't been doing it all along. We're, we're probably not going to get it in three weeks if it wasn't happening all semester. Um, but do you have any other ways of, of continuing to build it or at the very least to keep it kind of intact? Yeah, I mean, um, and I know I just said that not everything has to be about your, your class content, but I think that one idea is... Um, if you're teaching uh, like geology, have a certain group of students have a forum where um, you say, okay, this day, Billy, Johnny, and Katie are all going to add their favorite geology fact, random, random funny fact about geology, and we're all going to talk about it. Um, or you can add, um, you know, something, something that is just kind of, um, you know, low stakes for them. It's not something where they're going to be like, oh man, am I gonna get graded on this? Um, am I gonna like get, is this gonna be one more thing that I have to do? So maybe it's not something that they have to find, but maybe it's something that you find and you're like, hey, I just thought this was cool and I wanted you all to see it. Um, so yeah, and I think just constantly, I think that the, the biggest thing is communication, right? And so, maybe your class has a super serious subject and you can't do the goofy stuff. You can't do the cat room or the memes or the funny facts or because, because just of the tone of your subject. Um, I think that the communication aspect is still, um, still really important there. And so um, maybe it's just a quick, Hey, um, let's check in and see how we're doing. I know that this topic this week is, uh, really stressful, or I know that you are studying for this final, and that means you have to go back through all of this bleak stuff. So let's talk for a little bit about how we're doing, and maybe we can find a way, another way to study, or we can talk about some of y'all's strategies for studying this. Um, so again, just just communicating the fact that not only are you still here, but you haven't let go of them even though they're not physically in the classroom or meeting synchronously with you that's beautiful <laughs> so that more or less wraps up the the questions that that we feel like we've been getting the most that we kind of combined into the to the sort of nugget questions um i think you know again for me the important thing to to keep in mind is that we should embrace this pivot confidently knowing that we have been through something like this before um, as, as faculty. But I, I don't think that we should allow ourselves to, to fall into the trap of, of thinking that it's the same old, same old, um, because this is going to have its own particular flavor. Um, and, and at the end of the day, it's about doing the things that I think many of us are already doing. And that is, you know, um, remembering that our, our students need to see our passion, not just for our subject matter, but for them. 
Um, we are in the collaborative working on creating a, a toolkit that is, it's, I'm really excited. It's a, it's a collaboration between our Tigers as partner interns, which are the student workers that we have here in the collaborative that get paired up um, with faculty and, and offer student perspectives on, on um, teaching and pedagogy. So we have our TAP interns working with some of um, the RAs in, in Res Life. And so it's this collaboration where we're trying to um, hear from students who are thinking about pedagogy and students who are thinking about the student affairs side of things um, to approach this, this transition uh, very holistically. And so we will have, um, before this, the pivot, a toolkit of some resources for both faculty but also for students um, because, again, we just think that this is something that the more resources we have, the smoother it will go as we, uh, you know, go into what may be for a while a, a quote new normal of how we wrap up semesters thank you so much for listening to our episode we wish you the best of luck of course as you make the transition and we want to let you know that our next episode uh, which we'll be releasing about a month from now is going to be looking at some some just best practices for online teaching as you're thinking about the spring, but also for TigerFlex, so that regardless of which model you're adopting uh, for the spring, you just kind of have a refresher or maybe some new ideas thrown at you uh, that you can use to make the spring as successful as possible. So thank you very much. Thanks, everyone.